Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, folks, it is Sunday morning. We got NFL action on the way, but I want to talk first because we got the World Series set. It will be the Astros playing the Atlanta Braves, and I got to be honest, the Dodgers basically screwed themselves over in this series from the jump because did not understand uh, some of the decisions Dave Roberts made. You got Urias uh, pitching in the bullpen when he should be starting. You screwed up your rotation right then and there. And then when you actually had an emergency where Max Scherzer was unable to go, you didn't have anyone left in your rotation So you had to pitch Walker Buehler on three days rest and Buehler did not have it last night. So all that being said, give credit to the Braves. Eddie Rosario, well-deserved NLCS MVP award. You know, I've always liked his work with the twins. I I thought it was crazy that he had to settle just for a one-year deal with the Indians earlier this year. So happy for him because he's going to get paid by somebody. Uh, I don't know who, but somebody's going to give him a nice payday uh, with a left-handed bat in the outfield. And, you know, well-deserved. He's had he's had a good career, and, you know, and flew under the radar because, you know, no one gives a damn about the Twins. Um, but anyway, it's just a bizarre series in general because the Dodgers, I know they had injuries. I know they did not have Max Muncy. Yes, uh, you had issues with Scherzer. You didn't have Kershaw. But, A, Muncy in that lineup, while he is a difference maker, you still had more than enough offense to win that series. So I really don't want to hear about the injury excuse. B, I just pointed out the whole misuse of the actual rotation starting our first of the bullpen. Your bullpen was good enough that you didn't actually need to do that nonsense with uh, putting Urias in the bullpen to begin with. Uh, they, they put themselves behind the eight ball uh, with everything that went on. And you really should not actually even need Max Scherzer to begin with, with that. Like I said, the Dodgers collected so many armaments of mass destruction uh, to win in the postseason that for them to fall short is hilarious because it's just mismanagement. And, and I, I, I hate to talk about analytics, but I don't care how much the rule book says you can mat- mix and match your matchups and that these guys have arms that are very flexible. If you don't pitch them the full length, they'll be fine. I'm sorry. It doesn't work in real life. In real life, guys need to rest their arms. It's not like they're a rubber band or some automaton that you could just march out there whenever you want. So, you know, the Dodgers paid a very heavy price for that. And, you know, they won't be in the World Series. Now we got the Astros making it in. And the Astros, I'll be, I, I said it before, I said it again. It, you know, they just got to do enough little things that it, it snowballs when you make simple mistakes. 
And the issue that the Red Sox made came down to the fact that they had a bullpen situation where it's a tight game and an elimination spot. Instead of, I mean, Joey Cora, he had a very good year. But, man, this was a mind-numbingly dumb decision I won't understand for the life of me. And I'm sure it had to do with analytics and looking at individual matchups. But you went in a tight spot. You go in the eighth inning to Adam Ottavino, whom they acquired from the Yankees for nothing. Because the Red Sox and Yankees do not make trades with one another unless they truly hate the player that they're dealing. And so they get Ottavino only because the Yankees were so fed up with Ottavino imploding in the most inopportune times in high-pressure spots, that they could not risk him continuing to be in the rotation. Repeatedly. Because the Yankees love looking at analytics and trying to justify their decisions to play dudes. So when they finally bench a dude and then get rid of a dude, it means to tell you that when in real-life application, that dude cannot handle certain situations. So when the Red Sox got out of, you know, I was like, okay, good, because he's going to cost them some uh, a playoff series at some point. And sure enough, they bring in out of, you know, who immediately implodes and then gives up a three run bomb to Kyle Tucker, which cost me quite a bit of money, by the way, but uh, it, on the, on DFS sites. But I, I'll say this. It was kind of hilarious because it was the same thing. You have Whitlock, who's been your stud in the bullpen all year long. And then you just ignore him for Adovino, probably because you, you said to yourself, his breaking pitches match up well against the hitter. Not realizing that, again, Adam Adovino is one of the most unreliable guys you can have in a clutch situation. Like, the stats won't tell you that. The analytics won't tell you that because you're just looking at it from on a sheet of paper saying, this is what his pitch does, this is how it breaks, versus this hitter, this is their, uh, their hot zone and cold zone. And you're just looking at it from uh, just like a number standpoint. When this is a real life application standpoint of when you actually use your eyeballs and look at how these guys perform in certain spots, which you have to use in common sense sometimes. You can't just go strictly by numbers all the time. So seeing the Red Sox lose in that fashion was hilarious to me because to me, like that—that's what we're all just like. These guys always like to outthink themselves. You know, this guy struggles in a big spot. You've—you, I know, I know you watched him because he's imploded against playing against you before. But these guys always tell themselves, "Nah, nah, this dude's gonna be okay now that he's on our team." Our analytics say if we use him in this fashion, there's no way he can fail. It's just absolutely hilarious. So World Series starts on Tuesday, so uh, I'll give my thoughts on that as we get closer. But, uh, yeah, let's get into the NFL action because we got a number of games to talk about. And I think this is kind of an interesting uh, week because we are still in the thick of things from a bye week perspective in the NFL. You know, we kind of have a sense now with week seven who's good and who's bad. but. At the same time, this is also a classic situation for which teams are going to have kind of a letdown spot because teams are waiting for their buys. 
And it's just inevitable in human nature. You're going to start overlooking certain certain teams. It, it's it's just the way it is. You know, again, we could talk about numbers and how bad certain teams are, this, that, and the other. There's just going to be spots where teams are going to struggle. And I'm I'm looking at these lines, and I'm saying to myself, man, I'm looking at some of these underdogs, and I'm saying to myself, this is a week where if you want to go with certain underdogs, I have no problems with that decision-making whatsoever. Which kind of goes into our first game. We've got Atlanta traveling to Miami. Miami is a home underdog at two and a half. The Falcons are terrible. I don't understand how the Falcons could ever be favored in a game, yet the Falcons are favored in this game. And let me be clear with this game. Utterly clear. The Dolphins are not good right now. They are a bad football team. And there are rumors swirling that Deshaun Watson is impending to be traded in there. So we could see this team implode with Tua under center. But let me be clear. And I'm not even going to do a Stephen A. Smith impression, but I will do an intonation in, in dictate in the way that Stephen A. Smith would probably do this. If Tuga Tagovailoa cannot win this game against this sorry Atlanta Falcons team, Deshaun Watson will be introduced by the Dolphins on Tuesday morning. I, I mean, here's that's really the long and short of it. The trade deadline is coming up. The Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, wants Deshaun Watson. If Tua cannot beat this Falcons team, it's pretty much a lock that Deshaun is getting traded tomorrow. It's pretty much a lock because the Dolphins aren't playing for this year. The Dolphins are playing to show that they're going to be relevant in the future. And in the in terms of... Uh, Tua, this is his second year. He had a rough rookie campaign because, A, he had a hip injury, and realistically, he, he, he really shouldn't have played, in my opinion. But judging how well Justin Herbert played last year, there are enough people in that organization realizing, oh, wait, we might have, we might have effed up by selecting Tua ahead of Justin Herbert. Uh, we need to accelerate the timetable to save our jobs. Uh which one would think would expedite you getting fired. But, you know, a lot of the times these folks are trying to backstab each other in NFL spots to try to get, get promoted internally. But it, it's crazy. Like, they pushed up the timetable on Tua to the extent that everyone was looking for Tua to have a massive year this year. And so the fact that they are struggling as much as they are, if Tua can't win this game... I'm sorry. They are going to cut the cord on him and drop him like a bad habit because we could see a scenario where Deshaun Watson gets traded to the Dolphins and then within 48 hours, Tua gets traded to the Falcons because the Falcons are going to be looking to move on from Matt Ryan as well. Whether they want to admit it or not, the Falcons are looking for a QB. Like the, like the, uh, Matt Ryan also has to play well in this game. Because if Matt Ryan has another stinker, because the Falcons could go to three to three. If they go two and four with the fact that they passed on getting a QB so they can select Kyle Pitts and then not to actually use Kyle Pitts in the offense, 
which has to be one of the most mind-numbingly dumb decisions. You pick a tight end fourth overall, and you prioritize Cordero Patterson in your offense over Kyle Pitts? I mean, it's... I mean, I like playing Cordero Patterson for for uh, for pricing on DraftKings and 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 FanDuel in certain respects, but it's absolutely bonkers that the Falcons would dra- draft Kyle Pitts that high and then not actually work him into the offense. It, it's a completely bizarre situation with the Falcons this year. Uh, that's the only thing I can describe the Falcons this year thus far because they've been wholly unimpressive in their wins this year given that they beat the Giants and the Jets. And if they can't beat this Miami team, I mean, if you can, if you can only beat the two worst teams in the NFL, technically that only makes you the third worst team in the league. So the Falcons actually need to win this game. The only thing is, I don't think they're that much better than Miami. So I'm going to take Miami as the dog. But let me be clear. This is an awful game from a fantasy perspective. I like uh, I can see playing Calvin Ridley because he is dirt cheap on DraftKings. He's only about sixty six hundred. So for me, I totally get the play uh, for Calvin Ridley uh, on DraftKings because it, like the price is too cheap. It is too cheap. I, I, I mean, I, I I get it. I know he hasn't been used properly because th- this coaching staff somehow is actually worse at utilizing their offensive talent than the last regime, which is insane to me. It's utterly insane. I don't understand how this team is actually even worse than they were last year. But yet, somehow, we're in this spot where the Falcons are actually worse worse off than they were last year. (laughs) It's It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, so Calvin Ridley, 6,600... on DraftKings and 7,300 on FanDuel. Bonkers. Bonkers play. I, I, like, I don't even know if Calvin Ridley is going to do well or not, but to me, he's one of the safest plays because the Dolphins can't really cover anyone, and he should be able, you know, I know, I know this team is, I know this, uh, Matt Ryan's terrible, but he has to be able to throw passes. In order to stay in the league, I'm telling you, if Matt Ryan cannot play well in this game, <laughs> the Falcons may try to jump uh, the, uh, the Dolphins and try to uh, trade for Deshaun Watson. They're like, it, 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 this is one of the most hilarious games I can think of in recent memory between teams that desperately need to uh, look good in order not to lose their job. And again, uh, just in terms of DFS only plays, because even for regular fantasy, I think this is kind of a risky play. Uh, Mike Kosicki at tight end. Uh, here's the thing. I, I look at this game and I'm saying to myself, I don't trust Tua. So if I don't trust Tua and we got injury news uh, regarding Darren Waller that came in last night and uh, it looks as though Darren Waller is not going to be able to play today uh, for the Raiders. Foster Moreau is should be available in every fantasy league. Foster Moreau should actually be uh, picked up by any fantasy manager looking at a tight end spot because the Raiders just love using tight ends. 
and uh, Moreau should have ample opportunity uh, to uh, be productive uh, if uh, if Waller misses uh, the game, which seems likely because you don't get a late downgrade for a player and then have that player uh, actually play in the game. It, it, like it, it basically happens never. So for me personally, I'm just assuming that Darren Waller is missing this game. So Foster Moreau is going to get a bunch of targets and he's not a, a, a complete schlub. So I, I think that this is a no brainer play uh, uh, to play Foster Moreau. So that's why I don't even like the Kasiki play because the truth of the matter is I don't think Kasiki plays that uh, much. Uh, I mean, it, 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 I think it, I, I shouldn't say that. The problem is I don't see Gasicki getting enough reps in this game because, again, Miami has just been so rough uh, all around that I'm not entirely sold that uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sold that that, that there's enough possession to actually uh, make it that worthwhile. So that that's where I'm kind of looking at it, saying this this could be rough. This could be rough overall. Moving on, we have my Giants facing Carolina. The Giants, two and a half point underdogs to Carolina. Again, this is a random spot where I Carolina has imploded after the three and zero start, and I kind of think they've been reading their own press clippings because. Even the defense has gone by the wayside. I, I I don't like this Carolina team, but I know the Giants stink. It, this is one of the more frustrating games. I, I would not t- bet this one. I wouldn't bet the Miami-Atlanta game either. But, I mean, for picks purposes, you know, I, I, I will take the underdog in both cases because Carolina has not shown me anything consistency-wise that I don't think the Giants would not be able to exploit. I think Carolina misses a lot of details and the Giants, as much as they suck, they compete. And Joe Judge likes to compete for 60 minutes, as he talks about. Even leaving in Daniel Jones when the game's well out of reach and you could risk further injury to your quarterback after he just suffered a concussion last week. Or the week before that, I should say. But two weeks ago, he suffered a concussion. And last week, we were getting smoked by the Rams. And still kept playing Daniel Jones, even though he was recovering from a concussion. Yes, they said he recovered, but I, I still don't understand how it, it ever made sense that Daniel Jones would stay in, in that game. Like, it made no sense whatsoever. But, again, I think these teams suck. And I'll, I'll be honest. I know the Giants are, are would never even entertain Deshaun Watson because... He's a black QB who also has uh, legal trouble. So the fact that uh, I'm not going to say which one uh, takes precedent over the other uh, when it comes to the Giants, I would never say, I would never suggest anything like that, of course. But uh, Carolina, I'll be honest. Sam Darnold has not looked good the last month. I'll be honest. I thought Sam Darnold would look a lot better than he has. And I'm very unimpressed by Sam Darnold so far this year. Just looking through the game tape of the first three games, because he wasn't that great. 
I thought it was just kind of like the learning curve and like uh, getting reacquainted, but like uh, has not been able to get anything going. With Robbie Anderson, which should have been like the most easiest thing to me, uh, given their familiarity uh, from their time with the Jets, like playing together. I was shocked about how bad the rapport has been. Uh, like Darnold has not been good. So I'm, I'm, I'm again. I'm going to say this again. Some of these QBs are playing for their jobs. Someone is going to trade for Deshaun Watson, folks. Someone is going to trade for him. Because we got a lot of subpar quarterback play, and we've got a top six NFL QB not being played whatsoever. So somebody is going to get him, and somebody is going to get benched. I don't know who, but these QBs that are underperforming, have got to pick it up because they will not be starting QBs for very much longer at the rate they're going. So that's all I'm going to say. I, I, I don't like really anyone from this game from a fantasy perspective outside of because of the Giants nu- numerous injuries. I could see myself playing Dante Pettis, even if Sterling Shepard plays today because all the Giants receivers have gotten so banged up. Like, because you got no Galladay, you got no Kadarius Tony, Shepard's banged up. Someone's got to play on this team. Somebody. I don't know who. Somebody has to play for the Giants. So, for me, it, like, <laughs> like it, it, it's just a matter of, like, some somebody's got to be the QB. Uh, and, like, uh, I mean, so, somebody's got to be the, uh, the starting uh, wide receiver. So it's not like it's that they're any good. It's just the fact that from a number standpoint, it's like, I think it, 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 it may well be like Darius Slayton, Dante Pettis, and John Ross as our starting wide receivers today if, uh, if, uh, <laughs> if Sterling Shepard can't go. I, I mean, again, I know folks will be asking, well, shouldn't that lead you to be more on the Carolina side? Yeah. If Carolina was playing well, but Carolina's been playing like 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 dog, you know what? And I, I don't know, like this is just not like a Christian McCaffrey issue. Like they just have not played well, and I can't put my finger on it. Like who's the cause of it? But the, I'm sorry, they had Teddy Bridgewater at QB last year, and they did not look as bad as I've seen thus far in this losing streak with uh, Teddy Bridgewater as they have with Sam Darnold. I, I, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I thought they were going to get an upgrade with Sam Darnold uh, over Teddy Bridgewater. It may very well be the case that Sam Darnold is a worse QB than Teddy Bridgewater. And like I said, if he can't prove me wrong, or that statement wrong, rather, uh, you may see Deshaun Watson actually go to Carolina then the Texans. I'm just saying it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Like I, I don't see any, I, I don't see any reports of anyone saying that. But I'm just saying it. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that there could be this many QBs sucking, horribly sucking, and not a single person is going to try to trade for a top six QB. And yes, we know about the allegations against Deshaun Watson. Guess what? NFL teams can look past that. At a moment's notice, that would not shock me in the slightest. So I'm just saying, folks, stay tuned.
Next on the docket, the game I actually want to talk about. The Ravens hosting Cincinnati. Ravens six and a half point favorites. I like Cincinnati to win this game outright. I'm I'm saying that now. I think the Ravens, while they are an excellent team, I think Cincinnati is underrated. I think they play up to their competition and play down to bad teams, which is something that you see with younger teams. But I think the offensive weapons for Cincinnati can give the Ravens a ton of trouble. And that's the thing. I think Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase can shred this secondary. And if they can somehow get ahead enough where the Ravens can't just, uh, I mean, because like what the Ravens like to do, they like to snowball game. So if they can't get out ahead enough to just run it down your throat all the time past the third quarter, like they are very beatable in my opinion. So to me, I think this is a game where if Cincinnati can just get a couple of early scores, this could be a very, very interesting game where you got a ton of fantasy production coming from Cincinnati, and then you have the Ravens side where Lamar is going to be forced to pass, and you have Hollywood Brown at 5,900. Uh, didn't get priced up at all, really, uh, from uh, oh, 5,800, I should say, uh, on DraftKings, 7,300 on FanDuel. Uh, you can get Hollywood Brown at a cheap price doing damage along with uh, uh, along with uh, Mark Andrews, who's 6K and 7,500 on FanDuel. Like, it, I could see this being the total smash spot. And while I know folks are going to be on the Kansas City-Tennessee game, I'm just saying the, the, the game that I think can put up big numbers that folks are just not paying attention to is this Baltimore-Cincinnati game. I love Joe Burrow today at his price tag. He's so cheap. He's so cheap. He's only 6400 I, I, It's like he's cheap. And I think with Jamar Chase, like he's 6200 Like no one's going to be talking about these guys, but I love this matchup. I, I really do. Uh, I think I'm going to have the, the most exposure to that game because... I think you can have uh, you can have Burrow, uh, you can have Burrow and Jamar Chase, and then you could uh, run it back with either Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown, or you could go with Rashad Bateman if you want to go cheap because Rashad Bateman is going to be the third down receiver for uh, uh, Baltimore to move the chains if, if you want to go about it that way. I'll probably have some uh, Rashad Bateman in my lineups too. At 3,400, and he's talented enough. Uh, he was a stud at college. He could absolutely uh, do well. I, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm very excited. I, like maybe, maybe it won't pan out. But from a theory standpoint, I love this this um, this matchup. And like I said, I definitely think Cincinnati can win this game. So that's what has me excited about this, uh, the possibilities of this game. Uh, just being uh, completely honest with you. Uh, speaking of games that I have no interest in, uh, we got New England hosting the Jets. I'm just going to move on. New England, seven half point favorites. Yeah, they'll win this game. They won't score. This game will suck. I want nothing to do with this game. <laughs> like, I was like, 
This Jets team is terrible. This New England team is not any good. Maybe the Jets keep it close. Maybe the Jets keep it close. Because of their defense. But the only thing, teams I would be considering playing in this contest are the defenses. I just, I don't like the new weapons for New England. I don't like the Jets' offensive weapons. I, I, I have no interest in this game. Uh, Jets' defense is 2,300, and New England's defense is, uh, I believe, it's over 4K. And, I, again, I don't understand the discrepancy in the defenses because both of these defenses are decent enough that, if anything, the Jets should be priced slightly higher and the New England should be priced slightly lower. But these offenses are so terrible that maybe they're thinking the Jets are going to turn the ball over and then New England's going to punch it in. That's why the Jets aren't priced up higher. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the pricing of the Jets defense because it's not like New England has a great offense. So I'm just avoiding this game, to be perfectly honest. Next up, Washington travels to Green Bay. Packers are nine and a half point favorites at Lambeau. Uh, to me, this one's very cut and dry. Green Bay is going to win. It's just a matter of can Washington get this within 10? I don't know. By and large, this should just favor the Packers. But this is one of those games that I'm kind of talking about where it's kind of getting into the middle of the year. Teams start looking past groups, and then you can find yourself in a spot where, you know, you wonder how the hell this team didn't cover the game. The Packers are playing well. They've won five in a row. Uh, this would make it six. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that the Packers aren't going to win this game. I'm just saying this one seems to be one of those classic games where it's easy to look past the team because. Uh, they got, uh, they got, oh, obviously they got Washington today. And then right after that, they have a short turnaround to play the Cardinals on Thursday night football and a big matchup where they have to go into Arizona to play the Cardinals. I, I, what I'm saying is this is a clear letdown spot where I could see the Packers struggle uh, for parts of the game and in, in kind of getting things done. I, I'm not. I'm not exactly, yeah, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling this game. Uh, I just, I just think that this is one of those games where I could see, I could see uh, work being done where uh, they find a way of keeping it close. I'm just saying it. I'll just leave it at that. I, I think Washington can find a way to keep this game close enough. Not to be in any threat of winning the game, mind you. I just think they can keep it close enough. And if you can keep it close enough, then, you know, you might be able to find a way to backdoor cover this game. So that that's the way I kind of look at it. it it's, it's nothing fancy here, folks. Because from a, a DFS standpoint, the prices of the Packers are too high for me to really be interested in it. And I don't really like anyone on Washington outside of McLaurin, but there are cheaper options all around, uh, all around the game, uh, all around the slate that I just won't have much exposure to this game because, you know, there's no, there's no edge to be found in my opinion, uh, uh, going in this direction. So that that's where my concern is. 
So that leads us to the main game people are going to be talking about. Titans versus Chiefs. Titans, big Monday night win. Everyone's going to be saying that the Titans are vulnerable to getting smashed by the Chiefs. Got to add such an emotional win. Here's here's my counter argument to that. How are the Chiefs going to slow down uh, Derrick Henry? The Chiefs are undersized on defense as it is. They suck at stopping the run. The only way the Chiefs can stop the run is by loading the box. And if you load the box, then you're going to get torched by A.J. Brown and uh, Julio Jones. So to me, the question becomes, can the Chiefs just score enough points to put up with the fact that their defense remains hot garbage and this is a terrible, terrible matchup for them? Because I don't see how the Chiefs slow this Titans offense down. I, I, I don't see how. If, if, if this gets into a situation where the Chiefs fall behind, what better way to just salt the game away than to just pound the rock with Derrick Henry and then watch the clock burn? Like, to me, this is a terrible situation for the Chiefs because the Chiefs basically have to outscore the Titans and get up because, you know, over the past years, yeah, they've been able to get it done by just outscoring teams. But I'm 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 just saying it's like the Chiefs have been having trouble with teams just blanketing coverage and forcing the Chiefs to take them apart with 15 play drives and for whatever reason Patrick Mahomes and the boys just have not been patient enough to just execute the offense and just take the dink and dunk approach. I don't know what it is right now. Like the Chiefs are in like a funk and I can't put my finger on what the hell the problem is because their offensive line is better than what they had last year. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. I'm just, I'm just going to leave it at that. It is a weird situation with the chiefs because I don't understand why the chiefs are struggling as much as they are right now. It, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The chiefs are struggling this much. Yes, they have flaws but not to the extent that they should be struggling the way I've seen them struggle this year. So to me, it becomes a question of when do they snap out of their funk? Because I don't think this is the matchup you want to be going into trying to figure things out. I think this is the matchup you got to go into uh, prepare to have a slugfest and just be willing to scrap and do whatever it takes. And to me, I don't think the Chiefs are in that mindset yet. So I like the Titans to win this game outright, and I obviously they're a four and a half point underdog. I, I, like I said, I, I like underdogs this week uh, in terms of a lot of these matchups. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna take the Titans. I I just I'm looking at it and I'm not seeing necessarily where this is going to be. Uh, where where this is going to be. Uh, a case uh, that they they figure they figure it out uh, in in uh, in due course. I I think the Chiefs are going to struggle with this one. I think they're going to lose this game. So in terms of where I want to match it up fantasy wise, I I want to play Derrick Henry. He's ninety two hundred. He's he's incredibly pricey. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's incredibly pricey dealing with Derrick Henry and making it work. 
So I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna throw out my my cheap play in the afternoon that I'm gonna be using to fit in Derrick Henry with a lot of these builds because I want to play. Uh, I want to get exposure to the Arizona game. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there in the afternoon. I like the Arizona Houston game to uh, to have a, a little bit of a shootout factor to it, and I think you know having a piece of. Uh, this Titans game with the Chiefs, I want to play Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry can peel off another one of those monster runs to pay off the value. All he needs is one to pay off that value, get over 100 yards and a touchdown. I think Derrick Henry can get it done again this week. So I'm going to play him. And I may not play the Chiefs this week. I, like The thing of it is, is that for the Chiefs to shoot out, you got to figure out which Chiefs player is going to go off. Is it going to be? Is it going to be Kelsey? Like, and I'm not saying I'm not going to play the Chiefs. I'm going to have some builds with the Chiefs. But I'm saying if you're only running two or three lineups, do not play the Chiefs this week. Like to me, I don't. I think that's kind of a waste because I don't know who on the Chiefs are, is going to go off because they've been so inconsistent that you know they haven't figured out a way of countering when teams go to, with that blanket coverage. So to me. It's really hard getting there with the Chiefs this week. I That's just the way I look at it. I think it's really hard to get there with the Chiefs. All right. So, like I said, uh, you know, I know people aren't going to agree with me with my Chiefs take, but I think it's risky playing the Chiefs this week. As ridiculous as that sounds, I think it's risky. Uh, moving on. Detroit in L.A. Here's my ridiculous take of the week. L- the Rams are 14.5-point favorites. The Rams are playing a team where Lions coach uh, Dan Campbell called out Jared Goff saying he needs to step it up and, and did it publicly instead of like doing it in private like a professional would. He called out his uh, quarterback in public. It, the, the, the Lions are a are an absolute mess. However, if there's one game the Lions are going to show up for, and the Lions have showed up pretty much every single week, they're just not a good football team. But the one game they're going to show up for is Matt Stafford showing off his hot new girlfriend to his old girlfriend in, in, in the Lions. Those Lions players are going to play as hard as they can on defense not to have Matt Stafford light their ass up. They're, like, they're, not, they're just not going to lay down for Matt Stafford to have a, a goddamn coronation ceremony. So uh, I'm sorry. 14 and a half points. I'm taking the Lions all day on that one. Because while I don't expect the Lions to win, it's 14 and a half points. You telling me the Lions can't play hard enough for a half to make it almost impossible for the Rams to, uh, to win by more than two touchdowns? It's 14 and a half points. Like, that's a monstrous line. So uh, no, I, I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to say no. I, again, Jared Goff can play like hot garbage. His coach already called him out. If Jared Goff does not show up in his first half, his ass is getting benched. And guess what? The Lions may be in the uh, the Sean Watson sweepstakes come tomorrow. Yes, I'm going to b- keep bringing up the Sean Watson in almost every game this week because there's not a single QB in the NFL. If you aren't one of the big names, Brady, uh, like, I mean, Russell, Russell Wilson's hurt, but Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, you got Herbert, you got Lamar Jackson. 
Like there, there are a couple, there are a few, a few more, but like you know what I'm saying. If you aren't a top QB or a young up and rising QB, you should be worried about your spot in the NFL. Period. So my whole thing is again, you actually need to have production. And if Jared Goff is still going to be this bad, the Lions. The only thing that could save the Lions, uh, I mean, that could save Jared Goff, is that his contract is so big that I, I'm i not sure if the Lions can actually afford to have both his contract and Deshaun Watson's on the same team. That's how crazy Jared Goff's contract is. But, again, I'm saying this to be clear. Jared Goff is very much in danger of getting benched anyway. So, it's not the craziest thing in the world that... Uh, the Lions would trade for Deshaun Watson as well. I'm just saying it. It, it, it. It's crazy. Speaking of another QB who's in danger of getting like traded for in favor of Deshaun Watson, we got the Eagles traveling to Vegas to play the Raiders. Uh, Raiders, two and a half point favorites. Uh, Eagles, listen, Jalen Hurts says all the right things. Cannot hit the broadside of a barn with his throwing. So inaccurate. And this is why I was so worried about him being selected in the second round. Like, the problem with Jalen Hurts year two is that he looks so much like Jalen Hurts year one. And in his time at Alabama, like, his accuracy has not improved. Like, that's the problem. He duffs even more throws than you probably should at the pro level. That even with his scrambling ability, he's not Lamar. Like, that's the problem. Like, if his scrambling ability was better, I'd be okay with it. But his scrambling is not even on par with uh, uh, with Kyler Murray. So, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to feel comfortable playing Jalen Hurts. And I'll probably play Jalen Hurts in afternoon only because Jalen Hurts, again, needs to play well. If Jalen Hurts does not play well, Philly was already in conversations with the Texans about trading for Deshaun Watson. They kind of pulled out of it because they didn't like the Texans asking price. But if Jalen Hurts has another clunker game against the Raiders of all teams, I don't know. I don't know if, if <laughs> Jalen Hurts is still going to be the QB in about two weeks. I, I don't know. If Philly could easily jump in to the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes yet again. Because another loss would put Philly at 2-5. and five. And yes, I know people thought Philly were going to be bad. The Eagles thought they could be good this year. As much as they said that they're rebuilding for the future, they wanted to do this as a prove-it year if Jalen Hurts could actually show he could do anything as an NFL QB. If not, they were going to move on. So this was like kind of the prove-it year. You should be very concerned if you're in the Jalen Hurts camp that he could be out of a job as a starter in less than two weeks. Like it, it, it really is the, that dire of a situation. If Hertz has yet another clunker and is that inefficient passing. So to me, they already traded Zach Ertz. He doesn't have the security blanket. Uh, I would play Dallas Goddard in this game for 4,600. I, I obviously I'll play Devonta Smith. He's a stud as a wide receiver. But again, this all comes down to Jalen Hurts and being able to be accurate enough with his passes so they can utilize the short passing game against a team 
like the Raiders because there's going to be opportunities to, uh, to throw on the Raiders. The Raiders suck. But if Hurts cannot move the ball, you, you're going to play into the Raiders' hands of wanting to run the football and run out the clock if they get up ahead. But my cheap play of the slate is Foster Moreau at tight end. Listen, I said this at the top. If Darren Waller can't play, the Raiders are still going to throw it to their tight end. It's just a matter of, uh, like, how are they going to be able to manage uh, the game? If the Raiders get up early and they they start snowballing it, then there's not going to be that many pass attempts. But what I will say, again, if this comes into a situation where you've got, you know, the Raiders having to throw up a bunch of balls, you could have Foster Moreau catch about seven catches for about 80 yards and a touchdown. And you're over 20 points. And the guy is 2,500 on DraftKings. He is free. He's literally free because no one is expecting him to play until we got the downgrade news on Waller last night. A late downgrade is never a good sign. So to me, this is the play of the slate. If you fit in Moreau, you can start fitting in guys like Derrick Henry and pay up at other positions because tight end's a free square and it's going to produce numbers because I'm telling you now, the Raiders are going to throw to their tight end regardless of who the guy is. They don't change their offense. It's just the way they operate. So to me, it's... uh, I think it, this is a pretty clear-cut uh, way to kind of go in, in terms of uh, roster construction this week. Next up, Tampa hosting the Bears. Oh, man. <laughs> Tampa's 12.5-point favorites. Listen, I don't think Matt Nagy knows what he's doing. The Bears are a complete mess. Matt Nagy could be fired t- by tomorrow morning. Like, Matt Nagy's job situation always seems tenuous. Every time I listen to a story from Bears camp, I I don't understand how the Bears are really going to compete in this game. I mean, being perfectly honest, Brady can spread out the Bears defense. He can pick out who he wants. The Bears pass rush is not going to get to him. I don't understand this one. Because to me, this is the game that should be... Uh, like I, I just, I don't know. The Lions have something to play for. I don't know what the Bears are really playing for here, because this is like the show up. We're gonna get our asses kicked, but let's like try not to get hurt kind of game. I, I really don't see the motivation for the Bears to get up for this game. Justin Fields is not ready to play yet, and again, I blame Matt Nagy for this. I don't necessarily blame the player. Uh, I just don't see where the Bears are going to be competitive in this one. And yes, we know we know Tampa's weakness is in the secondary, but there's been nothing in the Bears' offense that has shown me that the Bears can put together a competent passing game to ever threaten this uh, Tampa team. So I- I'm just I'm just trying to stay away from this game. Uh, I know folks are going to be looking at Chris Godwin at 5,900. 
or Mike Evans at 6,500. The problem is, is that I think Tampa's going to be up enough on the Bears that, you know, this is probably a Leonard Fournette game. And even then, when Tampa gets up enough, this could easily turn into a Ronald Jones game. I don't know if they're, like, again, like, the 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 bucks could score enough points where quickly that yes everyone does okay so like no one really struggles but this could also be a game where you know it's like they they score but like they don't go crazy like i like i i know it's like this is like one of those classic games where it's like would you rather just have a lot of points or just have a couple of guys really smash so, like, your stack does well. And to me, this feels like it's going to get spread around, everyone's going to eat, and it's it's like, I, I, I don't see anyone getting a 40-burger in this game. I see a bunch of 20s spread across, like, all the stat lines between Brady and the receivers because, like, you know uh, Fournette's probably going to get a rushing touchdown. Uh, at some point, and you might get a Ronald Jones rushing touchdown. It's like I see a bunch of guys with the potential to get to twenty. I don't see anyone with a thirty-five to forty-point up swing uh, to really smash a slate. So it's like Tampa seems like a cash game play to me, rather than a GPP play. If that makes sense uh, from a roster construction standpoint, it's like the it's like the ceiling is limited in my opinion because I think it's spread out enough when they just wallop this Bears team. Like, Tampa's going to cover this line because I don't think there's any reason for the Bears to be up for this game. So, yeah. Like, that's all I got. It's like, I, I I can't even recommend anyone from the Bears because I don't trust this passing game. Maybe Mooney at 4,900, but again, it's like, I, I I haven't seen enough from the Bears passing attack to, that tells me that they could competently put together a 12-play drive this year. So, uh, I'm... And you and you know you can't run on Tampa, so it's just this just seems like a disaster waiting to happen, uh, like a run first offense against a team that stuffs the run. Like what what a hell where the, what the hell are they supposed to do? Like I, I just don't see an, a viable answer. And Matt Nagy definitely is not the guy to come up with something creative. And then uh, to round out uh, the afternoon slate, Arizona hosting Houston. Arizona sixteen and a half point favorites. Again, this line is so friggin' big that I know Davis Mills sucks. He sucks. But Houston should have enough offensive weapons that they keep this game where they can backdoor cover it. Maybe Arizona wins by 17. But, man, that this line is so big. It's like, do I really want to take the chance of Arizona just barely eking out a cover here? It's like this line is big enough where it's like I could see the backdoor cover and Houston only loses by two touchdowns. Like this line is just so big, it, like I'm just I'm not feeling it. But I will play DeAndre Hopkins and I will run it back with uh, Brandon Cooks. I don't know if Kyler Murray gets there because Kyler Murray is 8500 on DraftKings. And like I said, I love Joe Burrow this week. So uh, if Joe Burrow is that cheap, why would I play Kyler Murray on the main slate? Afternoon only. Yeah, this, that could be a different story where I play a lot of Kyler. But I love DeAndre Hopkins in this matchup, and I really want to play Brandon Cooks in the run back for this matchup because the Texans should be down big, and Brandon Cooks has been making his meals 
on garbage time where they play prevent and then he gets open so that Davis Mills and his pop gun arm can throw the ball. Yeah, like, can we talk about how tilting it's got to be to be a Texans fan? Like, you got a racist owner. Uh, most of your players uh, that are any good force their way out because they hate playing for a racist owner. And then you got uh, Deshaun Watson, tired of everything, wants to go, gets into legal trouble, which then the Texans use as more of an excuse to trade him and then won't trade him. It's like, it's got to be tilting. And so then you just have Deshaun Watson just stand, like, not playing, and you got these terrible QBs that can't play when you've already got a top six NFL QB. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is an absolutely tilting situation if you're a Texans fan. I'm sorry. It's just, this is a mess. But I still think that they can do the backdoor cover. It's just, this is a, this is going to be a rough watch in general. Like, Arizona's going to be up big, and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, Texans, uh, can they do the backdoor cover? That That's just the long and short of it. Sunday Night Football, uh, don't see any pricing for showdown yet. Uh, going to be a mess because uh, Trey Lance is hurt, so Jimmy Garoppolo's back under center. You, you got the always uh, inconsistent Carson Wentz in the Indianapolis offense. Uh, I expect a lot of running from both teams uh, with the running backs, but yeah, I'll take the Colts on the road, but man, I don't feel good uh, about taking the Colts because again, this relies on Carson Wentz not effing it up, which is entirely possible. So yeah, we're just not going to, we're just not going to go down a deep analysis route. I'll just take uh, ND plus three and a half. And then uh, New Orleans going to Seattle. Again, Geno Smith under center for the Seahawks because Russell Wilson's hurt. Uh, So New Orleans, five and a half point favorites. New Orleans, I don't necessarily think they're that good, but the Seahawks have so many limitations right now that any QB who can throw is a threat to them. And we know Jameis can throw the ball. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks even lost to Big Ben, who can't throw the ball. And I think this uh, New Orleans team is better than uh, the Steelers. So, yeah, I'm going to have to take the Steelers uh, to cover the five and a half because I think uh, I think Seattle is that rough without Russ right now. It's it's a bad look uh, situation. So uh, that's all I got, folks. So uh, good luck to everyone. But like I said, I love Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase uh, this week. And then you can run it back with Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown. Foster Moreau is my sneaky play of the week because I think folks won't know who the hell he is, but he's the backup tight end of the Raiders, and Darren Waller is likely to miss this game uh, just because of that downgrade news. Uh, I think this is a just a very sneaky spot, so you can start getting creative with lineups uh, because of that news. So good luck to everyone, and let's see, let's see how it goes. But uh, have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.